When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Heart and Hand is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that went out on Friday night, but luckily didn't end up in the river. This week on Heart and Hand, finally, after all these years, a fox in the box pays off for us. This season we've teamed up with Ladbrokes and we'll be bringing you plenty of specials. Our first is bet £5, get £20. This means if you deposit £5, Ladbrokes will add another £20 to your account. As a listener to this podcast, you can get this by following the link at bet.ibroxrocks.com. That's bet.ibroxrocks.com. We'll be tweeting this bet £5, get £20 link, adding it on our Facebook and we've put it in the description of this podcast too. So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'm joined this week by my long-term sidekick, the, the, the best Dutchman in the whole of Scotland, apart from his dad and every other one. Yes, it's Mr Scott Vandenacker. Thanks, that's some pretty stiff competition there. The legendary Dutch immigrants in Holland. Well, you in don't... Scotland, there yeah. must be at least five of us. Yeah. Dutch immigrants in Holland. I was going to say it's not many of them either. <laughs> no, no, this is kind of uh, that. That would be a, a pretty, pretty special breed of people. Um, so yes, Scott, we had our, our live show at the Loudon Tavern, our second ever live performance, and uh, thank you to everyone who came out for it, including some, I think, crazy but very much appreciated people who had come all the way to Glasgow from it and lived so far away that they had to book hotels and did so. And uh, my favourite line of the night was apparently by one of these uh, one of these people that uh, it was a, a young fella and his girlfriend and his mum and dad and his mum at one point went to start filming us as we were on stage and he apparently, according to a friend of mine, stopped her, uh, grabbed her oh. arm and said, you're not allowed to film this! Um, which is, well, it's the reason that we, we probably didn't keep Gary Mackay Stephen off the front page on Monday. Well, yeah, I think that... He's got the audience right there. Well, it's actually he's got the pod right, probably. He's, he's, yes, no, he he understood us. But uh, I didn't have to apologise for you as often as I thought I might have to uh, with your social interaction with people because you might not know this, people, but Scott, um, despite, I'm sure, sounding very confident and assured on the pod, hmm, uh, Scott gets nervous in social situations and tends to blot something out, especially around attractive ladies. And one of my friends was there, one of her friends. Scott said to me, she's a very attractive young lady. And I said, oh, for fuck's sake, no, what's he said? So I, I got in contact and said to my friend, um, did Scott say anything? And she said, no, no, he was a gentleman. He did speak about lesbianism a lot more than normal people, though. Do you care to explain yourself? Yes. Well, that was probably to keep off racism. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, it, yeah, I think what happens is you introduce to somebody and, you know, this is, you know, we're, we're chatting outside beforehand and I do get a bit sort of worked up. So 
I probably do blot out the first thing that comes into my head. Yes. And usually the first thing that comes into my head is lesbianism. Yeah, well, that's, that's actually, that's what I said to him. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, that's probably what it is that he's thinking, don't say anything stupid, don't say anything racist, don't say anything that's going to get me arrested. There was actually a bit of a, before the pod started, there was a bit of a kerfuffle because um, my car broke down. And luckily, um, I, I sent up the dad signal, and he came and picked me up and took me to the show. And pe- you know, I didn't want to kind of say to people, "You might not make it," but luckily, got there on time. Everything, and uh, you wouldn't have known. I'm a pro. But one of my uh, one of my, my friends who listened to this, uh, Simon, he said, <laughs> "He goes, it might have been worth it though, just to see the look on Scott's face as it dawned on him." that not only did he still have to go on, but he would probably have to lead it. And I said, ah, but that's when Scott's social Tourette's would have kicked in when he feels uncomfortable. So you'd have probably walked on stage and shouted something deeply in the high... I'm not even going to make a joke about what you would have said, but, you know, something that probably wouldn't have sounded at a place, at like a BNP rally or something, uh, as a joke to try and break the ice, and then the pod would have been over permanently and in seconds as the police arrived. Yes, um, I'm trying to think now how I'd have uh, brought the unruly crowd together, other than with uh, off, sort of blue banter, maybe blue for the dads, yeah. stroke arrestable. Yeah, what, yeah, what, what worries me... Fine line. Yeah, what, 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 as I say, what, what kind of uh, worried me was that, that uh, people maybe not realising you were being ironic and uh, storming out and making complaints to police, but it, it didn't happen like that, it went well, we enjoyed it. Thank you very much for coming out to it. Now... That's not what the people who weren't there have tuned in to listen to, Scott, because uh, in a season that's already looking, uh, well, uh, more up and down than uh, your average Aberdeen player on a on a night out, uh, we had a good win on Sunday, uh, our first ever Premier League win at Ross County, or against Ross County, actually, three draws last season against them, and... Uh, Quickly sum up the quickly sum up the match. Rangers uh, dominated from the start, or well, certainly territorially. Um, eventually, started to make chances later in the half. First goal was a really really good goal. Lovely move down the right. Great cross from James Tavernier to the back post. Alfredo Morelos with an absolutely ter- technically very difficult header because he was going back from goal, but he managed to get his head on it, turn it, and generate enough power and direction at the bottom corner. It was a really underrated finish, I thought, and, and the sign of a natural finisher. And speaking of which, he then poached comedy goal, and we'll talk about it, but Scott Fox, the uh, Ross County goalkeeper, we've all done it, Scott. We, we'll do it during this pod where we'll knock off for a couple of minutes. And unfortunately for him... Alfredo Morelos runs in, steals the ball off and pokes it in. We're 2-0 up. They're in tatters. Looks like game over. They've already had to make a tactical substitution in the first half. It's all Rangers. Everything's going to plan. Start of the second half, Rangers drop off. Ross County come into it, go a bit more direct, get a goal back from a deep cross into the box, which is headed home by the big striker that they brought on. Game breaks down for a little bit. Rangers gradually make a couple of changes, gradually begin to reassert control start to look dangerous again, finish it off with a lovely goal from, and his first goal from Rangers, uh, terrific finish from Eduardo Herrera. 3-1 victory, and Scott, we've talked the last couple of weeks about fine margins. If we'd have got one against Hearts, it'd be totally different. If, you know, but is this a case of, you know, yes, fine margins again, but it fell for us at a time when we really, really needed three points? 
Well, firstly, can I say that I feel a lot of sympathy for Fox and Box, okay? Why? Because clearly what happened was he looked out in the crowd. He looked in the crowd and he saw your friend and her good-looking pal mm. and thought, don't mention lesbians. That don't could be lesbians. it. Has anyone, that time, he'd been... has anyone approached him from the lesbian yes. angle? To be honest, the poor bastard. Yeah, to be honest, the poor bastard would probably agree. See if he'd mentioned that to him and said, "Did that happen, Scott?" I think at that point he would have grabbed any. I'm not meaning this to keep coming back to Gary McKay, Stephen, but I was going to say he would have grabbed for any life rope, right? But um, it's amazing once once your head gets into one place, you know. Again, like Gary McKay, Stephen, right? Enough. Um, But he, uh, what I thought was brilliant about that goal were, were two things. One. As Morelis gets up and the entire Rangers support is behind that goal and round to the side and none of them make a noise, right? They all go, because they don't want to let the keeper. Kenny yeah. Miller, who'd been running in, sees it and affects that man who's just missed a bus slowing down from a run into a walk thing. And he just suddenly, hey, yeah. hey, Scott Fox, I'm just I'm being breezy. I'm just standing here. Don't pay any attention to me. Nothing's happening. And Morelis runs in, takes the ball, pokes it, puts it away. And again, having watched that clip a hundred times, most of our support, just to tell you what kind of season this has been, when he steals the ball and he's running in towards goal to the open goal, none of them actually celebrate until it hits the net. Right. There's no premature. Yeah. There's no hurry. We've got no. We waited till it hit the fucking net. It's been that type of season. We are not a high-scoring team yet. And uh, two yards, two yards out with no goalkeeper. Can't take that for granted. It was um, a catastrophic okay, now, screw up, Scott, of the type that generally has happened. Uh, I, I think I said this at the weekend. For me, that's the first banter years clip that will be replayed that we found funny. Yes, so uh, uh, give our, cha- our fans a chance to have a laugh. Um, now, I'm not paid on this pod to have the same opinions as David. Or at all. I'm not paid. Oh, yeah, I'm not paid. Mm. So I'll, be, it's like I'll, I'll come at it from a different angle. Um, I'm going to come at this from a very different way, like Gary McKeist. I mean, sorry, um, I think the first half wasn't as great as, as others thought. I thought large swathes of the first half, and I don't want to damn a game here, David, and I don't want to be too critical, but a lot of the game was very much like an SPL match, and with all that entails, uh, I thought we were very good. The second half of the first half, things did perk up, we played very well, and I think half-time, I hate this phrase, usually I hate this phrase, but half-time came at the wrong time. Yeah, I agree I think we were well on top. Another five minutes, I think we'd uh, and, put it away, yeah. And... They came out and changed it a bit, and yeah, they came into the game. And there's a couple of good things to see. One was that their aerial bombardment didn't really cause us too many problems. Not compared not really. to last season. To... Yeah, not compared to last oh, God, season. Last season, fuck I, I know. I know. It doesn't be a thing about it, does it? That big Danish guy they've got, Jesus. Okay. I mean, that's the thing. We probably wouldn't have won the game last season. No, well, we, we, we wouldn't have. It would have been a draw. <laughs> I mean, we had three goals at it, and uh, they were all draws. Yeah. Uh, I, I take your point. I, I, I'm going to counter it slightly. The first 20 minutes, I thought, were good from a Rangers' point of view in that it was scrappy as hell, but at least we kept it up there. It was never 50-50. You know, we never looked like conceding. So at our worst, when we weren't at, at our most confident yet, you know, we've had rough couple of weeks, 
desperate need for the points we were still far more composed and professional. Then after we had asserted, if you like, that territorial dominance, we started to play a little bit, got the goals. Um, I, I watched the game back afterwards because it's it's different watching it in that state of kind of abject terror. We desperately need the three points, you know, and until you know that it's done, you don't really focus the same way as you do watching it back and looking just to see how it went. And we were quite calm, quite composed, um, maybe lacking a bit of spark that came start of the second half a lot of blame has been placed on the manager himself said that we gave the ball away a lot more and we did we got scrappy as a team so although I'm going to pick on one name it maybe wasn't just due to him but effectively Cranchard's legs were completely gone at that stage and I thought it was a foul in the build-up to the goal. I can see, though, why it wasn't given, so, you know, that's OK. But by that stage, it was quite clear that Cranchire's legs had completely and utterly gone, and that's a worry. Um, I have said before that I can see Cranchire having uses, which might be, you know, an hour here, a half an hour there. That made me revise it slightly to maybe a half an hour here and there, because... He he was just completely out on his feet and uh, looked like a boxer towards the end of a match where he has got nothing left, you know. Um, and, it, and it cost us in midfield. Once we then changed the shape, we brought Peña on. Now, Peña is not match fit, but you can see what he will bring to the team once he gets his sharpness back. Um, some of the runs he made were, were quite intelligent. I think he does need certainly a lot more sharpness, but I can see why, why he's there. And to be honest... He's a guy that strikes me. If you play him, he'll get fitter. I'm not sure I can say the same about Cranshire. Yeah, I mean, I think Nico's done. Um, Kenny Miller is it, also. Scott, is it as bold finest. as that? Is it as just as that? Is it as clear cut as that that Cranshire's done, and that's just all there is to it? Yes, I think um, with Pena and Rossiter getting fitter every week, apparently, I, I think. The competition for places will be such that I can't see Nico starting. Um, personally, I'd start Rossiter now and try and switch to four two three one because I think Rossiter's look good when he's come on. I think his pedigree. I think he's a very good player, and I think if he is fit, apparently he is. I would start integrating Rossiter into the team. I think we will see a good player there, and I would drop Nico. I'd also try and drop Kenny Miller if I could. Um, it was subbed after, I, after I criticised uh, Pedro last week, Scott. Um, Miller was subbed, didn't look happy about it, um, but it turned out to be the right the right decision in the end with Herrera getting the goal. But uh, fair play, yes. the manager he, he made the he made the changes that had to be made. Rossiter, come on, I think he was a little slow. I personally thought that fifty minutes at the latest was the time that Cranchar should have been pulled, but um, he was taken off. I agree with you, by the way. I think you could play Peña on the left. I think that would be the long-term plan in a 4-4-2. But I think you could also, certainly away from home, but I think you could also, if you wanted to at the moment, play Rossiter in the centre and shove Dorans out left in a slightly more advanced role the way Cranchire was. I, I even think you could do Rossiter and Jack with Dorans in front. Yeah. Uh, and then some white players. We don't have two wingers, unfortunately, but we could, you know, these are managers' problems. It's also hard to judge the last 15 minutes because people say, ah, the subs are a masterstroke. But I think Ross County also, roughly the same time, decided to, whatever Ross County term, go for it. Mm. Because it didn't seem very different from the rest of the game. 
but they launched the ball forward more, they committed more men forward, and there was huge gaps in their defence that hadn't been there for the first 80 minutes. No, but we did So we created off. more... Well, we created more in the last 10 minutes than the entire match up till then. I don't think it's coincidental. No, of course but not. But the points were right, though. You know, I mean, you can't argue a 3-1 away win. I, I think last season we'd have been over the moon if we'd beaten anybody away from home, never mind 3-1. Yeah. And as you said, we went under that... They had maybe one half chance apart from apart from their goal. They didn't really create anything. The aerial bombardment they tried didn't really work, unlike last season. And I felt we coped. A thing to me that was interesting was, as, as I said earlier, it's a type of boring game that we have to win. These are the types of routine, boring SPL games that we're going to have to win. If we're ever going to get nearer to Celtic, we cannot see every game as a banana skin. No. There's going to have to come a time when routine games become routine again Yes, and almost the game's very boringness was what I liked about it we went away to a game we should win and we won it and we came home without too many problems that's exactly what I'm looking for to be honest not every game is going to be like watching Real Madrid no and we did exactly what was expected to be done and did it quite professionally too yeah no I I, I think there were impressive performances and in fact I'm going to pick out three um, starting at the back and move as every good team should and moving forward I thought Bruno Alves was was excellent I thought he absolutely strolled it and for someone uh, playing his slippers he was yes exactly I mean he was just terrific that as you say they mentioned but not only that just his composure the way he broke stuff up he was great Ryan Jack in the centre of the park again quietly effective I think he's a a dare I say I can assess a papatch type that you don't need to worry about him you're going to get your 6 or 7 out of 10 out of him every week um, he might not be spectacular but he's going to do a job that needs doing and do it well every week and the third of course is the goleador or however you say it is it goleador 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 right so it's if you say it's goleador so it's probably goleador It'll be something different altogether. Yeah, yes. yeah. Anyway. Alfredo Morelos, who is quite quickly becoming a fan's favourite, uh, due to the fact he scores lots of effing goals, which we haven't had for in a striker for a while. But the two goals were, you know, not to harp on about the first one, it's such a good finish. Uh, and I also thought, uh, interestingly, Tavernier, when he got to the ball, because the ball was running out of play, he knew he just had to get there and stab it up. He didn't get there and take a touch, which a lot of times our guys do when they get in behind, uh, either him or Wallace. And the quicker ball obviously led to the chance. So maybe something to bear in mind for our fullbacks that when they get out there, maybe try the early delivery a few times. But even at that, he's, he's put the only ball in he could. Morelis read that he read that you know the fact that the ball was going out of play the only decent delivery that could come in would be the sort of dink ball so he made his way to that position got his body set and then put the header away in at the corner and it, it was a really terrific natural striker's finish and then that that's just sharpness yes keepers made an arse of himself absolutely but you still need to to be able to read that to have the reaction and to do it and he did so well put it away the boy is going to score goals Scott he just he's a good finisher who works hard he's hard to knock off the ball he doesn't give defenders peace and he already he looks the type of guy that you know scores all types of goals and I really think we could be looking at a bargain here well I think if you looked at HJK he'd scored almost a goal a game and people thought nah you could never recreate that here that's impossible 
But he's got he's got five in six games, and he seems to be someone who just knows where the goal is. Yeah, and he's only he's just turned twenty, and we paid nine hundred thousand pounds, and I'd be utterly shocked if we didn't get that back and a lot more on top oh, if we ever decide yeah. to sell him. He's only going to go one way, and that's getting better, undoubtedly. Um, I like him. He's an odd looking character, and it shouldn't work. Like for an SPL striker, he's not very tall. He's a bit ungainly, but as you see, he's hard to push off the ball. He makes instinctive runs, and every, he seems to finish really, really well. And we could be looking at, for the first guy in a while who's hit twenty goals from open play. Oh yeah, you know, the first actual dead play. I'll be obviously had someone. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of scorers, but with a lot of penalties included in them, and yeah. he could be our first number nine for a while. And the fans love him. The fans have really taken to him as well. That's another thing. He smiles when he plays football. He enjoys playing football. And Rangers, as fans and players over the last few years, enjoyable has not been a word that's often been used. Um, and he seems to encapsulate. He loves being out there. He loves playing for us. And he loves scoring goals. Mm. Long may it continue. Yeah, you, you've got to love a player like that, the kind of heartless sleeve type. And I, I just really excited by him. I just think he looks a, a great player. Herrera, it was a lovely finish. I do have concerns that towards the end when we were playing with... He's a target man, we've spoken about this, but he's really, really slow. I mean, I hadn't noticed quite how slow he is. He's courageously slow, and I don't know if that's a fitness thing or needs to play more or whatnot, or if it is just literally the guy is a target man and you know if you can make him a chance he'll finish as he showed it was a really delightful finish but there were a few times where he was going to close the players down and it was boy-desk I think in tactical terms he's got a limited scope of movemental area both horizontally and vertically I like that um, and I would imagine see that's one of the faults I have a wee bit as well with some some of the first half, David, not all. Some of the I know that Pedro wants us to get it forward quicker and have more transitions and not but some of the balls were quite aimless punts. And that's fine, she's got a lot of pace or Ronaldo up front. The the original Ronaldo. I just worry as you see, see with Herrera, I agree with you, it's gonna to have to be very, very accurate. I right on his chest or right on his head. And I wonder how I don't know how it's gonna work out having a a sort of number nine, well, a number ten target man who the, the forward pass is going to have to be extraordinarily into feet or into head because he's not really going to run behind anyone no. but or then drag I suppose, them wide. I suppose the counter argument is though Morelis should be able to do that, and Miller when he's you know when he isn't playing as an auxiliary left midfielder slash centre midfielder slash whatever the ball's going, he can do that as well, I suppose is the argument. But it, it only, I think, became noticeable because by the end he was the lone striker. And a couple of times guys broke with the ball. He hasn't played much, so the, and playing on instinct, that's the part of the game. They were knocking the balls into channels, you know, for him to chase, to, to waste time as well as, as, you know, time. And, I mean, he was just... As I say, really not—he's really not in the end of those. No, and, and he sort of vaguely wandered off in that direction, but running wasn't part of it. Against that, he wins things in the air, and it was a cracking finish. I mean, really had to adjust his body, place it perfectly in the corner, guided it with the right amount of power. It, it, it was terrific. So, all in all, a good win. And uh, like I say, watching it back, 
I'd recommend you do it because without the panic of we desperately need three points, we desperately need, we cannot screw this up. It goes to two one. We're gonna screw this up. Oh my god. Oh my god. Every attack looks like danger. You can see a lot of good things, and we've said this on the pod so often over the years when we've had teams where you can't see what they're trying to do. At least with this team, you can see what the end game is, what they're trying to do. I think that the manager deserves a little bit of praise for that, at the very least. That it's not a case of we are working towards an impossible dream a la Warburton or we're just a shambles with 11 footballers trying to deflect the ball towards the opposition goal um, in a vague attempt to score a la Ali. You can see that he has a method he wants us to play, however, he's a bit more pragmatic and prepared to to change to, to get the victory. I, mean, I quite agree. I mean, my issues with it are I don't think he's got enough pacing up front apart from Morales for the type of game he wants to play. I agree with you. I think he wants to be a lot more direct and we're a lot tougher at the back. I think we'll, we turn over the ball quicker, but I'm not sure the, the right selection of forwards to... We just talked about jokingly a minute ago about how accurate the balls are going to have to be to get to Herrera. If you include Miller, I don't think there's the pace up front to turn defence into attack as quickly as he would like. But at least it's a thing. Defending well, breaking up play in midfield a lot quicker, having a far better recovery rate of the ball, and then getting it to your strikers as quickly as possible is a fantastic idea, especially in the modern game. I just think we still lack a few bits and pieces to do that properly. But it is a thing, and it's a thing you can watch unfolding. And after the last three or four years, we've been watching something which has been very hard to understand or follow. So yeah, I can see where it's going, and good luck to him. See if we can get a couple in in January or next summer, some more genuine pace. Then I'd be very excited about where this is going to be going. I think. Yeah, well, there's a couple of couple of days left in the window, and hopefully, um, you know, there's there's talk of a renewed bid as we're recording for for Jamie Walker from Hearts, who's who's got a bit of pace. Um, who knows what else maybe uh, bring in? I know that Pedro has hinted that Mark Allen's connections will help us to bring in players the the kid uh, from Man City is apparently very quick as well so all of that augurs well now we didn't go to the match on Saturday, uh, Sunday sorry. and congratulations to, to loads of people um, of course who did who made the long trip up to the Highlands so, so well done it was worth your time lads I know a few buses broke down on the way home it was still worth your time lads to not have to listen to the coverage from BT Sport. Now, <sighs> picking on pundits is a little bit like shooting fish in a barrel, right? But I don't know what shooting fish in a barrel constitutes. So I'm not. I've never seen anyone shoot fish in a barrel, so, have you? No, no, and I've never been invited to a barrel fish shooting evening event. So I'm going to do it there for. Everything's like it, apparently. Everything's like it, but. No one's ever done it or seen it or heard of it. I, I thought that was, was part of when people were taking the piss, and this is something that we're going to come to this week. It, it's funny, um, people were taking the piss out of Pedro because he'd, he'd used a phrase, a Portuguese phrase, which obviously doesn't you know, translate. It's not, not one of our idioms. Uh, clearly a, a common Portuguese one is it's been used both by Jose Mourinho and André Villas-Boas in their time in Britain. So it's clearly a common Portuguese phrase. But he was roundly mocked by a country who shoot fish in a barrel and have different kettles of fish. 
Yes. Have you ever seen a kettle of fish, David? No, I, I, has anyone out there seen a kettle of fish? No. no. But apparently that's not laughable, though. No. That's not laughable, though. Um, but we'll let sleeping dogs lie. Oh, sorry, there's another. We are obviously... Um, David, David, if you can't stand the heat, David, if I was you, if you can't stand the heat, I would get out of the kitchen. Oh, uh, See, now, yeah, we're belabouring the point here, but it's an idiom, it's... it's a phrase, it's something that comes up in, in folk language, right, and gets used and passes into cotton, people just use it and everyone knows what it means, and he was trying to explain, a guy in his I, I believe that English is his third language, not even his, his second and the Brains Trust of the Scottish Media ripping the piss out the guy for him, um, it's so Brexit, I mean, I mean that is well Brexit, but it, the small minded and pettiness of it aside the coverage on BT Sport, the reason that we're going to pick on it this week is we pay the same money for our football as people do in England for theirs from BT. And BT don't cover not only any other football, be it the European show, which is sadly now gone, but be it their English coverage. Because I watched games on BT before. I watched the game on Saturday night on BT, on the EPL. And I've watched other sports they don't cover it in as amateurish and shambolic a way as they cover Scottish football. Firstly, the commentary team. Rob McLean, Terry Butcher and Chris Sutton sounded like three old drunken uncles at a wedding talking pish to each other and annoying people at their table. It had nothing to do with the game often. It was a collection of really banal and unfunny jokes and it... it <laughs> I don't mind if commentators aren't very good. We've grown up in a world where commentators weren't particularly good. But don't detract from the product. That's when it gets into... When it stops just being background noise and is actually preventing your enjoyment of the match. And it was on Saturday. It was off-put on Sunday. It was off-putting. It was irritating. It took away from the actual match and occasion that was going on underneath it. And it's not the first time. It was three guys having a self-indulgent wank. They were tossing each other off verbally in that studio and they didn't give a fuck about the paying customer. It was only about their own amusement and it was embarrassing. You then add into that, after that, uh, after that match, Pedro grants them an interview and Chris Sutton who has decided as a lot of fucking morons do that his gimmick is well I just say it as I see it which is generally an excuse used by stupid people to say stupid things without any regard for common courtesy or decent normal civilised behaviour right we've all met a weapon who says things like well I just say it as I see it and are somehow proud of that right these people are always, universally, fucktards. There is no exception to this, right? Anyone who ever says you, well, I just say it as I see it, you're a fucking fud, right? You you have nothing about you that, that's in any way likeable. And you can see that. I mean, Chris Sutton exudes an air of Mondeo driving Alan Partridge person, right? You know, actually, he's the type of person who would watch Alan Partridge and wouldn't understand it. He wouldn't get it, Um and Pedro goes to do an interview and Sutton, again, boorish, ignorant and arrogant. And Pedro, a man speaking in his third language, instantly, hands him his arse. And it was fantastic. The uh, 
the brilliant the, the bit in the exchange where he said, firstly, he harped on about a point that has been put to bed weeks and months ago that everybody understands, and he is either too stupid to understand or he's willfully, and in this case, I think that is what it is, willfully mis, uh, misunderstanding it to try and generate controversy because he sees that as his job, not enlightening you the way a Gary Neville or a Jamie Carragher does. Sutton sees his job to, it's all about him. And if he can generate controversy, it keeps him in the in the limelight. So he asked about the, you've said you've got the best squad. Now Pedro said it clearly in the way that I think every dog owner thinks their dogs are the best. Every dad thinks their daughter is the most beautiful, right? And Pedro's explained it. It's an off-the-hand remark. It doesn't mean anything. But he won't let it go because he's a fanny. He then, when Pedro says, well, how many teams have you coached? He says, I'm asking the questions. Well, that's always a good response, mate, when you're you're dragged to that within one fucking sentence. Followed up by Pedro's rather magnificent, oh, I can ask questions too. Pedro kept his cool, made him look stupid, and he just got absolutely torn apart by, as I say, a guy who is speaking in his third language made a fool of him to the point that he was later on Twitter justifying why he should be a pundit because he uh, he, he won the odd medal and you know shit like that the old adage is true incidentally just because you were a good player doesn't mean you were a good manager doesn't mean you were a good pundit the fact that you know you, you could be the, the the greatest player in the world and a really dull individual in Chris Sutton's case you were an average player and you're a really dull individual BT would not foist that coverage, Scott. Or they wouldn't dream of letting the EPL coverage drop to that level. And even when they have an in-house idiot like Robbie Savage, he is still kept on a tight leash. Whereas with the SPFL, clearly people are just allowed to go off in the direction that they want. And that interview was boorish, it was ignorant, it was xenophobic, it was embarrassing, and in the end it was fucking spectacular if you're a Rangers fan because Pedro dealt with them so easily. But I don't pay money for that. That, to me, was Radio Clyde on the telly, and it just was unacceptable on every level, and fans have a right from a company they are paying for to expect more and if they don't get it I think it's perfectly reasonable that those fans will seek other ways of watching these matches that don't involve giving money to cretins like him oh uh, that's absolutely spot on I've, I've not got a lot to, to add except David and I regularly on a Sunday night watch the various Italian games I watch the French David watches the Spanish and what's amazing is for some reason for these shows they dig out people who know about football and you do actually learn... Well, I was watching the AC Milan game on Sunday and they're talking about how many players they brought in. And one of the problems may be, and I thought this was brilliant, it was a sort of Warburton-esque thing. They said, right, they pushed their forward, their full-back so far up the pitch that it ends up to being a 2-4-4. And he said, what about the pace of the centre-halves? Where are they going to hold their line? And right enough, of course, the opponents start coming into the game by playing balls behind the full-backs. And... But basically the commentator, the co-commentator explained what was happening, how Milan might struggle a little bit considering even with the quality of the players and what the other team could do and explain tactically what was going on. And I think, see if you can do that for Italian football coverage. For the SPL, when you've got the guys there, you're obviously paying them more money. They're in a studio, you've, gone, you've got the outside broadcast, you've got the trucks. Why do you basically have fuckwits who know nothing about football? And 
I'll give you an example would be Neil McCann, right? How hard is it to find another Neil McCann? Sky did it. Somebody Scottish who's played in a Scottish game who knows about football. It, it can't be that difficult. It can't be that there's no one there that can talk about the game. It, it can't be that no one understands tactics. Um, and I don't, I don't know whether they're going for a deliberate comedy approach. Oh, they are. They yeah, think they, everyone they are. in Scotland loves banter. Maybe it's someone's idea of top bants. But it's fucking moronic and it ruins the game. It ruins the spectacle. Many people on Sunday on social media were saying that this off they just basically some guy one one of my friends said he was listening to records over the Rangers game yeah because he just couldn't stand listening to him so he put on some music while watching it and it's just putting people off I think we do deserve better I mean I don't know where we go from here officially in terms of approaching BT Sport but this cannot be what Scottish fans have to listen to in terms of insight into the game understanding of the game how the league's unfolding what the various teams have brought to the table how a team season might go who's a good striker who's there's nothing nothing on Sunday added any enjoyment of the game or value to the game or taught me anything about the football that's played up here no and that is a very worrying thing for BT Sport what we had were three self-satisfied ignorant tossers sitting there trying to get a rise out of each other at the expense of the people watching the football match on, on TV and if you compare it to the the game that immediately followed, if if like me, you then you know immediately switched to Liverpool Arsenal, where you had Gary Neville and you had interjections from Jamie Carragher, you had Souness and you had Thierry Henry, and you got all of that. And Gary Neville was can crack a joke and it's funny and it's appropriate, and then he gets back to the game and telling you about what's going on. They don't even attempt that. They don't even try to deliver that experience for you. What instead we're forced to get are these repetitive gags. I mean, how many caravan jokes were made on? on to, I mean, it, it was just over and over and over. And then on top of that, as I say, the interview at the end was not only, as I say, embarrassing to just embarrassing to them as a company, but also kind of embarrassing to us as a league. We all know it wouldn't have happened certain other managers in that league Sutton is not trying to bring anything to someone's afternoon Sutton is trying to create a f- or further his career as a sort of beacon of controversy and that's fine if you want to be a radio shock jock get a radio job and people can choose to listen to you but don't put them on commentary because then I have no choice and a thing that they, they don't get and, and, and it, this is quite common, is that they think they, that these guys are somehow important to the broadcast. I would watch that if you had one camera at it and nobody else. That You know, I'm watching for the football. I don't care about these halfwits. Get rid of them. Or give people the option. Um, as, as You know, we, we you don't need a mute button. You need a mute Sutton. Uh, give us the option of just listening with just crowd noise because people would take it. Um, it's a disgrace I mean it really is a disgrace that they clearly think that the way to present Scottish football to their audience because okay it's us but it's not just you know Scottish football fans they de- they've clearly decided that it can be presented as just this permanently stupid comedic aperitif um, before the real stuff happens and like I say that that's great charge us less if you're going to give us less, because that's what you're doing. 
And what else came out of this was David and I, as we do. In fact, the origins of this podcast were not were not dissimilar. Mm-hmm. Um, David and I started bantering about, and uh, basically, I think I said to David, like, heart and hand over the top of the pictures would probably be more popular. And David's like, hold on, because David's much more. David thinks of these things more than I do. I just say them. And he's like, hold on, wait, wait a second, and. David, over the last couple of days, I think you've been thinking, you've had some thoughts about... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was wondering I, I, if, if it would Maybe be a way of striking back. If it would be something that would be of interest to people is, now, we are not going to provide pictures because that would be illegal, right? Nor are we going to provide a commentary, as in the way you would get on the radio. But what we're thinking of doing, and let us know if it's something that would be of interest to you, even just as a try, you know, we should try it out, is that possibly on YouTube or Facebook Live or Periscope, or all three simultaneously, and you can decide which one you want to be on, there wouldn't be any images. It would literally just be the Heart and Hand logo. But you would hear Scott and I discussing the game as it happened uh, in real time. And that would be the option. Now, as I say, we're not going to do a move-for-move move commentary because you can you can see that. Um, we, we wouldn't insult you by... We're not professional commentators and we're not going to try and say, well, you know, we'll remove these arseholes and add in different arseholes. But instead, we would try and, you know, break down the game as we do on the show sort of thing. But while watching it... So let us know. It's uh, You can get in touch with us on Twitter. It's I'm at Ibrox Rocks. He's at Scott Harphand. Um, you can go to our Facebook page and let us know, even if it's something that you think's worth a trial, only for BT games because the games on Sky, Rangers TV or whatever, then they don't need that. You know, the commentary on them is is fine, and that's interesting. Actually, I should point this out before we move off on that. I don't like Andy Walker, right? I didn't like Davy Proven. Celtic fans don't like Neil McCann. I get all that, but they were professional. Even if you disagreed with what they said, the presentation and the way they went about their job was as a professional. BT don't even do that. They don't even offer you that. You just get these people clowning around for their own entertainment at our expense. And I just can't can't in any way think that that's something that we should continually put up with. So let me know that. Let me know other ideas. There might be different things we can do. We may might be a case of a guy going to a game and doing a periscope just of the crowd. I don't know. Something, because as Scott said, when it's getting to the point where, as he said, you're muting the TV during a Rangers game and you're not, you know, because you just want to see, you can't listen to this. It's actually worse than when you've, if you've ever had the experience of trying to get one of our games um, back in the day, and it would be on like a Russian channel, and the co- it, it's worse than BBC Alba because the BBC Alba thing was just was just white noise. This is just it deflect it stops you focusing on the match at hand because of these fucking bell ends and the nonsense that they're coming away with. So so that's that's something to let us know. Anyway, Scott, um, I think we've we've rabbited on long enough this week, and it's time to take us home with this week's Sporting Integrity Award. (music) 
The Sporting Integrity Award is when we look around the world of sport and see who has made the biggest Chris Sutton, Terry Butcher and Rob McLean and themselves over the past seven days. Yes, it's named in honour of those who are half-wits, clowns, silly, corrupt, pointless wastes of space. Scott! I hope you're not referring to me there, David, but I know you are. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, honestly. Okay. I could have replaced um, you by now, for Christ's sake. We've got loads of people now. Well, that's true. So with heavy heart and right hand... See what I did there? I, I do, I like that. I got a heart and heart. See, that's yeah, what I see. Yeah, um, exactly, I've got some uses. Um, now... There's some obvious ones now. Legally, we can't really touch the main story, as David's alluded to, because there's more to come out of the story, but a certain Aberdeen Loney and some of his male friends went down to the river and got a ducking, David. What? Du- ducking. Oh, right. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. Oh, I was just yeah. thinking of the legal bill there. <coughs> no, yeah, don't worry. Um, oh. No, um... I'll just have a wee, so, drink, a wee drink of water. So, um, Gary McKay-Steven got pulled off on Saturday night out of the water by the rescue team. And we're probably, I think there's more to come in the story, so watch the space, okay? Yeah. The other big story is, is still to come, which I'll leave for David because it's an absolute cult classic. It's a Scottish type of thing, the XPL. Maybe it could only happen here. Oh, Scott, but should got... we tell him about how I, I spent my evening last night? Well, talking about heavy heart. Um, and a heavy hand. And a heavy hand. Folks, finish your dinner. Set aside your cup of tea. This takes a strong stomach. Over to you, David. Well, as as long-term pod listeners will know, I have uh, several dogs, and recently we got two puppies, um, after my old dog passed away. And thank you to everyone on Friday night who my wife was there, and they were coming up and saying, how are the dogs? Or I'm sorry to hear about Arthur. It was really kind. She was really touched. Um, but we, our, our youngest, Bertie, is six months old, and... He's at the humping stage, right? And he he has a cushion that he goes to work on, right? And you humans tend to go, stop that, because we get embarrassed. But it's perfectly natural, right? It's just go for it, right? Just try not to look when he's doing it. Last night he finishes, and then there's a, like, a look on his face of just sheer panic. And I thought, what's wrong with him? And I looked over, and hanging there is his willy. And it shouldn't still be hanging out, if you know what I mean. It should have gone back. It it should have gone back. It was tumescent. It was tumescent. It wasn't tumescent, no. It was stuck out. It was... The turtle had poked its head out of the shell and afterwards it should have gone back into the shell, but the turtle was still out. Right. And, and that's when he vets out there, that's the technical that technical term. So we looked online, strangest Google search that I, I, I've ever entered. Um what, NSFW. Uh yeah, no, well no, actually, it, <laughs> it, we hadn't even finished when it came up on Google because apparently it's quite common. So we found a vet site that said, first of all, apply ice. So we got ice, applied it to the area, nothing. Dog now looking at me in sheer panic. So then it said, right, what you need to do is you need to um, squeeze the dog's testicles very hard while essentially pushing the extended area, as it politely put it, 
back into the shaft. Okay, mm. so Sal and I looked at each other and looked at each other and the silence continued and then eventually she said, well, you've got a willy. And I said, yeah, well, you've touched more than I have. And she said, yeah, but you're doing it. And I went, oh, it's a fair point, yeah. So I got gloves. And I sat down and I said, listen, me man, this is why they're getting taken off. This sort of nonsense. You'll, you'll be happier once once you're done. And grabbed them. And man, I, I, I squeezed as hard as I would on a BT commentator's throat. And with my finger went... <laughs> And back up it shot. And it was placed back into behind its banjo string. And everything went back to normal. And he was very, very happy indeed um, to have his wee willy working again. So that was my night um, before Game of Thrones. So in Game of Thrones, there's lots of heroism. Um, I'm just saying uh, not all heroes fight the White Walkers. That's true. Also, you could have taped that and used it over the top of BT coverage any time there's a game on. <laughs> yeah. It's actually more fun um, trying to get my dog's cock back inside its uh, my dog's cock's helmet back inside his foreskin than it was listening to Chris Sutton and Terry Butcher. Genuinely. And there's the and there's the T-shirt. They're, they're, they are actually, if you're writing to BT to complain, say, it's more fun shoving a dog's helmet back into his foreskin while squeezing his balls than it is listening to Chris Sutton. And then if they say that can't be true, surely, you can then say, well... Fact. And you actually, yes, fact. And you've back up, to actually back up your case. So get writing, get emailing, and tell them you want action due to the dog's foreskin situation. Yeah, okay? just, Chris Sutton is less entertaining than a dog's cock. Officially, you know, um, I, I'm sorry. So before, I'm sorry we've gone on about this. People must think that they're, you know, hearing somebody on a football show talking about dogs' cocks must think they've tuned into a Graham Spears show. Scott, get on with it. Okay, I'll, I'll lead us up to the, the actual winner, which David will, will probably take you through later. It's a great Scottish story, but there's a few few build-ups. I think David, first of all, in Brazil, a good place for crazy stories, isn't it? Yeah, right, of course. Referee, referee Eber Roberto Lopez cited a vice mascot, a line mascot, in his post-match game disciplinary report. Okay. Officially, he cited the, the line mascot, saying, at halftime, the mascot, in the guise of a lion, made rude hand gestures to me, then implied by whispering to me that the match officials were robbing Avai. This happened by the tunnel, and I have witnesses. That was the actual official match report. The coach said, it's Avai against the world, they even hate our line mascot. Uh, there you go. Well, this, this, can an association take act? I mean, can there be like a three-game ban? Does he need to sit in the stand? <laughs> don't know. Or do they get? Can they get somebody in? Yeah, exactly. Is it, is it, just that, that bloke. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That, that that'd be interesting to find out. I just like the idea of Broxy sitting in a club suit and you know the director's box and it's suspended for today's yeah. match. Well, talking of which, you know our dear mutual friend Gail. Yes. Perturbed to this day by the whereabouts of uh, Roxy 
and Boris? I think Roxy and Boris are. Has it ever been gone. really officially? No, um, I don't think we're ever going to find don't out. Don't upset the children. No, I, I guess yes. You don't. You don't want to know what happens to dogs on farms. That's all I'm saying. Um, but yep, taken out the back and bollocks. Oh no, 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 not Boris. Yeah, not Boris. That, that was David Murray's yeah. downside. Well, see, Gail had said that she'd heard that. Yeah, go on. Someone told me that they'd heard that in Fleetwood they were down at the game at Fleetwood, the Rangers game, and. and there's a mascot not entirely dissimilar to young Boris. And I wonder if maybe that's who, maybe a transfer all those years ago, maybe Martin Bain let him go in the cheap. Genuinely. He's ended up at Fleetwood. Genuinely, um, the suits were sold. Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely. Yeah. Yes. For cash. Yes, for cash, yes. So, uh, oh, dear God. And, and for all I know now, Roxy is, isn't even female anymore, you know? I don't know. Just change of change of outer bare appearances, yes. Yeah. Nobody listened to me David, when I was at the trust. I'll tell you, it's political correctness gone mad. It's yes, all yeah, it's, it's all LBTGI stuff now. Yeah, and even the mascots had a sex change. Bloody can't get away from them. <laughs> I'm going to write to Daily Mail <laughs> again after my Chris Sutton. Yeah, after my Chris Sutton dog cock uh, cock letter. This is the second one. Right, Petersfield, poor old Petersfield, non-league Petersfield. Um. They lost 4-2 to Kidlington. Kidlington? Kidlington, yes. Now, I'd imagine losing to Kidlington at any time is a bad result, but 4-2 is a hard one to take. Do you imagine if they got... And, I'm just thinking, do you imagine if Kidlington got robbed, right? And then you could write by... This, work with me on this. Imagine if their youth team, right, a club's youth team got beat by Kidlington, and then you could say Kidlington fiddled. You could... You'd have to watch legally what came next, and I'm about to. Oh, just if they got if, if, if they got John beaten, right? They could say Kidlington fiddled. They could indeed. Yes. Um, so Petersfield now nobody can really afford to lose four two to Kidlington and expect to keep the job, can they, David? No, not in this world. Not, not a result of that magnitude. But he decided to chuck it at half time. What's this chap's name? Uh, John Robson. Right. He went into the dressing room for his half-time talk to inspire the troops and said, that's it, I'm off home. <laughs> and he left, walked out and did drive away from the stadium. The chairman said, yeah, it seems a bit odd to me. It's been frustrating. He just vanished. Said he, went, he was going home when he did go home. I had to give the team talk myself. But the, the thing is, is that he didn't lie to anyone. You know, it, it, it's he, not, did, he didn't disappear. He actually did say, I'm off home and went home. So you can't you can't see disappear where you know where he is and he's told you. That's actually true. Yeah, it was less of a disappearing act, more of a I'm off home in yeah, the car. Exactly. It's, it's nonsense to pretend that, that this chap in any way had disappeared. He'd just gone home. So I think the chairman's in the wrong here. Yeah, I agree. Maybe. Uh, and a couple of quick ones. You'll love this. A dog story. I know you love dogs, don't you, David? Uh, a little too much at times. Yes, go on. A little too much. Stray dog Zulu. Okay. Oh, now Zulu. Right. See if the dog Zulu came on the pitch. If the dog hurts, yeah, it gets hurt here again. You're never coming on this show again, so just be warned. No, it's the opposite. Right, good. Don't worry. Stray dog and Brazilian Serie B clash. Okay, uh, Zulu came on the pitch and started chasing after Goyas left back Juninho. Now, how many fucking Juninhos are there in that country? 
I think every footballer is called Genio mm. or Junior or Ronaldo. Yeah. But anyway, so you start chasing Goliath. Now, obviously, you and I know you're a dog owner, right? It's probably something to do with the round thing he's kicking, yeah? Yeah, very, more often than not, yeah. But Juninho ran off the pitch and ran down the tunnel. Oh. He ran away from the dog in the middle of a game. Oh. There's no way back from what that. There's no. He said he panicked because you can't tell with dogs. You just can't tell. Ironically, what a pussy cat. Yes. And one of the local fans interviewed afterwards said, that's just Zulu. He's a big soppy softy. If he sees the ball, he goes chasing it. He just wants a game. <laughs> yes. So Janino ran off the pitch and up the tunnel because you just can't tell with these dogs. And I don't think he's lived it down since. And I'll finish in Brazil. No, no, before you do it, I, just, I, would like to guide, I would like to guide people to uh, the greatest uh, band in the world, Half Man, Half Biscuit, who have a song for everything. And as they, they said in their seminal classic, even men with steel hearts love to see a dog on the pitch. It generates a warmth around the ground that augurs well for mankind. And that's what life's I about. It, I think it does. And I think Juninho did himself and his team... And mankind, no service there yeah, at all, yeah, David, because, frankly. Because what's the problem with Scottish football? Trouble is, these days, you never see a dog on the pitch. Maybe, oh, thank God, Genius doesn't come here to play, though. Yeah. Well, actually, maybe he should. Yeah, I'll take Betty of the game. Celtic signing. should, I. Yeah. Well, they signed one Genius illegally, so maybe they could do this <laughs> one as well. Exactly. Um, and lastly, in Brazil, the brilliant name striker, Fatty Walter. <laughs> um <laughs> Again, it's Goyas. Though he was sacked by Goyas for elbowing his teammate unconscious in training, deliberately. <laughs> um, he's some guy. He is. If you look at a picture of uh, Tubby or Fatty, depending on your translation, Walter. He's he's a big lad. There's a lot of him. Uh, he was sacked by Goyas for elbowing his teammate unconscious by elbowing in the face during training. He signed for Atletico Geo, Atletico Go. Okay. Okay. And he said when he signed for them. God has placed me here. So the name of God and his son Jesus, I'll give this club my life. I've turned it around, but the only reason I've turned this life around is because of Jesus Christ. We're both here. August 2017 leaves Atletico Geo, saying, I've got to be honest, I hate this place. <laughs> <laughs> his views and the fans, mm, there's a few I respect. Most are ungrateful, and others I can't even speak about. God, they're awful. Well, if Jesus had said that to him as well, you can't. You, uh, I don't suppose you could argue with our Lord and Saviour, can you? But we don't know what Jesus' views were of Atletico Gio because, I mean, he brought the guy there. We don't know if he actually encouraged him to leave as well. We, al- we just don't know. I've always wondered with these kind of sportsmen, um, you see it a lot in boxing and in UFC and American sports where they'll say things like, you know, and, and you, know, you scored that fantastic last minute hoop or you know you hit that home run or whatever and you go yeah or you knock the guy out that I had Jesus Christ the Lord in my corner I felt him there with me and I thought okay wouldn't it be great then if at once after case like you know what happened there you had to make that shot from the free throw line in the last minute and it just you missed what happened from fucking Jesus do you know what I mean it's like where <laughs> where was he there they, they never do that it's good life being Jesus you get off with a lot of things Although, admittedly, you know, yeah. you probably went through a lot to get to that stage, so I'll, I'll move on. The the one I want to, to mention this week, and this is great because we've had two weeks out of the Hearts managerial search. Then after three weeks, uh, the Hearts managerial search, uh, several interviews, one of which we touched on the, the 
Billy Davis one. Um, Hearts director of football, Craig Levine, appointed as the new Hearts manager, Craig Levine. Yes. After after three weeks. Now, I don't know whether or not it was a case of he listened to Billy Davis, who said, you know, your job should go. And he went, okay. And immediately just reassigned himself, which is not what I think Billy Davis meant. Whether or not that was the plan from the start. Um, But won't it be great to have Millhouse back in Scottish football? Uh, Maybe not, you know, for parents. But won't it be great for us with two shows a week to fill to have him back? Yes, he's he's a colossal cock. Mm. And he's one of the most boring managers on earth. Oh, yeah. um, there's no doubt who there's a sort of Hart's tactics of... a couple of weeks ago were, were straight from his his playbook yeah he's the most boring I mean honestly I'm sure his kids she even the under 10s he probably sent them out to have an iron curtain defence mm. give nothing away I mean he's the most boring he'd kill any game of football he could probably play Brazilian beach soccer and make it tedious within a couple of weeks um, so I think we can know what's coming from Hearts for the rest of the season but I also just love the way I saw an interview with a uh, the woman who runs Hearts. And Budge. I've got, yeah, I've got a time for her. She seems all right. But she said, you know, four weeks of interviews. And I asked the interview panel, who was the best person that you met? And they said, did you know who the best person was Craig Levine? Yeah. Uh, he also said uh, in his interview, he said, yeah. you know, we need a couple of players in. We're a little short. And I thought, ah, duh, new manager, poor guy. Who's left him short? It was probably that director of foot. But, oh, right, yeah. So, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, he's been working towards this. At least he's been honest now. So, so fair play. It's good to have him back. <coughs> okay, Scott, I'm going to give the winner of that to Fatty Walter. There's a wonderfully named I, Fatty Walter. I think you should. Who um, Jesus led him to the club. We don't know who led him away from it. It's hard to say. Okay. That sounds like a country song, doesn't it? Jesus led me to this Brazilian football club, but I don't know who's leading me away. What led me to this town? Um, Jesus and perhaps someone else. Um, but yes, congratulations, Fatty Walter. You're the winner of this week's Sporting Integrity Award. Okay then, folks, thank you very much for listening. Um, all that it means for me to do is to thank our executive producer in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Miles. And uh, a little bit of housekeeping. Firstly, people have said, will we get a Friday show this week? Yes, you will. Um, you're going to get a special um, show this week where I'm going to be speaking to regular podder Mark Dingwall but I'm going to be talking to Mark about the origins of Follow Follow fanzine uh, it's quite a kind of fascinating stuff I actually believe it or not but when Mark started chatting about it, it it quickly became clear that it was a two-parter so in the first part of it we're going to be discussing the fanzine's origins physically how it came to be how he actually got it you know from an idea to print every week got writers etc and then in part two we'll discuss the switch to digital ff.com all that sort of stuff so it's really interesting stuff and um, something we've been keeping for uh, an international week with regards to next week if you want a pod I will do one of my international week specials which are uh, when you send me questions just a, a David Q&A uh, all you need to do that is 
send me enough questions. If we get enough questions, you get a pod. If we don't, great, I get a week off and everyone's happy. Um, there will be a preview pod before the the next match, though. But yes, that's the that's the plan of campaign. There will definitely be one this Friday. There are maybe one next Tuesday if you guys send in. If you do, just go to our Facebook page and ask a question. Um, like I said, just search for Heart and Hand Rangers Podcast. Uh, and if you want to um, tweet me uh, a question... Yes, tag me in it, that's great, but more importantly, use the hashtag HHPod, okay? And if you use the hashtag HHPod, then I'll just collect them all. If there's like three, no show. If there's 20, you get a show, okay? So just down to you guys to do that. That's pretty much it from us this week then, so thank you to my guest, Mr Scott Vandenacker. It was very much a pleasure. Thank you to all of you guys for listening. My name's David Edgar, and I'll talk to you again on Friday. Bye. Heart and Hand is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Sports Social Podcast Network.